Welcome to Conversations with Cynthia. Cynthia Hyatt is a Christian psychotherapist specializing in trauma therapy, couples, relationships, and personal development. She is passionate about your life and is here to encourage, teach, and inspire you to be your own best version. Find her online at CynthiaHyatt.com. That's C-I-N-T-H-I-A-H-I-E-T-T.com. Now, with today's fresh insights, Cynthia Hyatt. Well, welcome to the show. I'm Cynthia Hyatt, and I'm so glad that you're joining me today. I hope that you've had a good week, and the one, the show that we are going to really focus on today, I'm kind of, I think this is going to be very helpful for a lot of you, for many, for a myriad of reasons. And what this show is, is how do I know when I need help? And I have people asking me that so frequently. They're like, how do you know when you actually need to ask for help or to go get help or, you know, go to the doctor, go to see a therapist, go see a pastor, you know, a, a life coach, whatever that might be. And, you know, because none of us really want to get help. And I just have to tell you, that's just honestly from me as well. I'm not always good at doing that. I might wait longer than I should. You know, it just it just isn't one of those things that's comfortable. And so we always want to think, oh, it's going to get better. It's not that bad. I'll figure it out, or maybe I just need to wait a little bit. Uh, I'll pray a little bit more. I'll go forward at church and be prayed for. Maybe that would help this situation. So I'm going to talk today a lot about how do I know when I need help. And so I like this saying that um, Billy Graham said. He said, the Christian life is not a constant high. I have moments of deep discouragement. I have to go to God with, in prayer with tears in my eyes and say, oh, God, forgive me or help me. And so we see in James chapter 5, verse 16, it says, Therefore, confess your sins one to another. Pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. But if you remember, we talked last week about the paradox of belief, that unbelief issue that we believe, but we don't believe. And we talked a lot about the story in Mark chapter 9, at, starting at verse 24, about the father who had taken his son all over the place, trying to get the healing that his son needed. And he seemed to have uh, seizures, epileptic seizures, and a demon would throw him into the fire, or a demon would throw him into the river and try to kill him. And so we saw that man go everywhere he could to get the help he needed for his son. But the most beautiful part of that is when he actually said to Jesus, help me with my unbelief. Help me. So I want you to think about this, that this is part of the Christian walk. This is part of the human endeavor. Every human needs help in different ways, at different times, to different degrees. That's just what mammals are about. We're not an island unto ourselves. Jesus needed help. That's why he got a, a band of disciples to go around with him. And the most poignant part of Jesus asking for help and receiving help is when the gentleman helped him carry his cross. And this, this is really powerful when you think about this. So, I many times have this devotion that comes to me in email. It's called uh, Small Straws in a Soft Wind, and it's by Marsha Burns. This is Faith Tabernacle out of Kremlin. And I liked the one that they had today because it's really what we're talking about. And it says, 
So many of you feel like you are taking one step forward and two steps back. But that is not the truth. You are continuing to progress. But when you are feeling like you are going backwards, it's because there are valuable lessons that you need to revisit for you to understand more completely. Nothing is wasted in my kingdom. Everything you endure has spiritual and eternal value, says the Lord. And that's Romans chapter 8, verse 28 says, And we know that all things work together for good for those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose. So how do you know when you need help and you shouldn't just do it yourself? It's enduring. It's dangerous. It's illegal. It's immoral. It's unethical. It's hurtful. These are the majors. Well, what about if it's just this enduring problem? And it's getting in my way as to being who God has really created me to be. Like, how long does it need to go on before you say to yourself, I think maybe I need some help with this? How about the feeling of resistance? See, this is always how I know. If I'm resisting, actively resisting, it usually is telling me that mm, I probably really do need to get help. Because the thing that I don't want to get help for usually means I'm either embarrassed about it, I think I shouldn't have the problem, I'm minimizing the problem, or I really don't want to deal with the problem. And so there's a tendency, <clears throat> excuse me, for me to want to really resist getting help. And when everyone around me is saying, we would love to help you, we would love to be there for you and do whatever we can to help you. I know that's how I feel about the people in my life and the people that God brings to me. I, that's my job. I help people all day, and I love doing it. But when it comes to me, that's a different story. See, why don't I ask for help? Maybe I'm embarrassed. All those shoulds. I shouldn't have this problem. I should have gotten it fixed by now. I shouldn't be struggling with this. I shouldn't have to ask for help. I shouldn't have to spend money on myself. I shouldn't have to spend time. Whatever that should is, it's totally unproductive. But it's very powerful and very, can be very paralyzing. So we know the enemy wants to kill, steal, and destroy. And that he uses condemnation to stop us from getting the help that we need. And he uses always our pride, our ego. We don't want to be embarrassed. We don't want to be humbled. We want to have our act together and, and try to figure it out in private so nobody knows that we had to fix something. And maybe we, we think we caused it. Maybe we did. But does that negate the need for help in changing it? What if it is your fault? I mean, how do you feel about people that make mistakes in your life that you love? Do you say, well, I'm sorry you did it to yourself, so I'm not going to help you? We wouldn't even dream of saying that to someone, but we're so afraid it might be said to us. And we get embarrassed. We shouldn't be having this kind of a problem. We're afraid to be found out. What if people never forget about it? What if I disclose it and now I get judged for it? Or what if everything changes and it's not for good, even if I do get the help that I need? What if I feel like I'm branded with that problem for the rest of my life? How about this? You may really, this may resonate with you. What if we like a part of the problem? Right? That's the tough one. 
this is like, you know, my problem is, you know, maybe I have single people that are having a hard time saying no when they're going out on dates and they're sleeping around. Maybe they're having a hard time not looking at pornography. Maybe I have someone that's struggling with an addiction and they have a hard time saying, I really need help. Even though they know they need help, it's that part of them that goes, oh, but can't I just manage it? Do I have to get rid of the whole thing? So maybe we like part of the problem. Maybe some of the problem is working for us. So if I don't get the education I need, then I don't have to go get a job that maybe feels too big for me. If I don't confront a problem in my relationship, then they won't be mad at me, but we won't have the level of intimacy that we need. So I like not talking about it because that saves me from a lot of discomfort and a lot of fear, but I don't like the fact that our relationship doesn't work. So maybe it's only a problem because of somebody else, right? So if that person weren't in my life, I wouldn't have this problem. Well, then why wouldn't we get help to get the person out of our life if that would be the, if that would be the solution? Or maybe that person in our life that we think is the problem is actually the one revealing the problem that we're having. So if we just remove that person, then we can pretend like we don't have the problem. How about this one? We like our bondage. What if it's been there for so long? It's so much a part of you. It's so just understood and known and familiar that not having the problem feels frightening, naked. What will I do? What will I be like? What would I do with myself? How would people see me? Maybe I'll have too much power. Maybe I'll have too much freedom. So we need to go back to the faith and wisdom of a child. See, children need to learn that when they're ashamed, they ask for help. Because sin always causes shame. Look at the first account of sin. We see two people desperately needing help. That's Adam and Eve, right? And what did they do? They hid. They hid from the very source of help. The first thing they did was run and hide. So we need to keep asking ourselves, what is the deal? You know, until we get what we need, we need to say, you know, I'm worth it. You are worth it. And there is power in helping, but there is power in being helped. Imagine if the unnamed man that helped Jesus carry his cross was not available or not willing. See, don't rob yourself or others of either of these actions, being helped or helping. So think about that. What a great legacy that gentleman had that carried the cross for Christ. And Jesus did not steal that from him. Jesus let him help him. What an honor it was to help. And sometimes we don't get that other people might feel that way about helping us. That I would love to help you, Cynthia. I didn't know you needed it. I couldn't imagine that you needed anything sometimes. I would love to help you. But it's a humbling process, and it's a relational process. And so you don't want to rob yourself or others of either of the action of helping or being helped, either of these life-changing, powerful experiences of being helped and helping another. Because we know asking for help can be scary. But this is one of the bravest things that you could ever do. 
So I want you to think about being a leader in your family, in your community, amongst your friends, with your coworkers. We only get one life. I want you to get what you need. I want you to get what you need, the help you need, so you can live the life that God has destined for you and not miss out on any of it. I don't want you to look back and regret your pride, your fear, your insecurity, your shame. I want, I want you that seeing that you lost something precious because you were afraid to ask for what you needed. I don't want you to have that experience. I don't want you to have the shoulda, coulda, woulda, if only then. I should have asked for help. This is Cynthia Hyatt with Conversations with Cynthia. Join me in the next segment as we talk more about how do I know when I need help? What's getting in my way and how do I do that? Well, welcome back. I'm Cynthia Hyatt, and you're listening to Conversations with Cynthia. Thank you for joining me. If you're just tuning in, uh, I want you to make sure that you get to listen to this show in its entirety. You can go to the website at CynthiaHyatt.com. That's C-I-N-T-H-I-A-H-I-E-T-T.com. And make sure that you just hit the little button at the top of the um, homepage it says radio and it'll take you to all the shows and you can watch you can listen to this one in its entirety so we are really talking about this concept of how do I know when I need help do I need therapy do I need help what is it what is the area that you may need help and one of the hardest areas obviously is when people are needing some counseling some psychotherapy that's a tough one maybe it's easier to go find a good carpenter because You tried to redo your garage and it's kind of falling apart. Maybe that's not as embarrassing as needing to go talk to somebody about a problem. But this is what I want you to think about. If we look at Jesus allowing someone to help him in front of everybody, he was at his weakest moment. He's naked. He's bloody. He's torn apart. He's shredded. But he's trying so hard to carry that cross, and he keeps falling. And so this gentleman came up and carried it for him, and he let him do that. Can you imagine? This big guy is carrying this cross, burdened with that cross. And you're so weak, all you can do is barely follow behind it. That's what Jesus did. Followed behind the person carrying his cross in order to be hung on it and die for our sins. So I say, you know, get on with it. Get over it. And have the life that God intended for you to have. Getting help stops the compounding of problems. Imagine if Jesus didn't ask, didn't let anybody help him. And he said, well, I need to go back and heal and heal from these wounds. And can we try this tomorrow? Right? So here, here's the thing. I want you to understand. When I talk to couples many times, this is what is probably the most sad for me is that I'm always the last option. They've tried everything before they come to see me. The problem has become so compounded, so deep, so complicated, so embarrassing, and so painful by the time people come to me. Now, I'm so thankful they come. But I want you to think about this. See, the ideal story for me, from me to couples is... 
why don't you start with it the same way you went and learned how to drive a car before you drove it and wrecked it and then had to go back and learn how to drive it? Why don't you just start with therapy? Start with counseling. Because that's kind of like life coaching. That's just learning a skill. And you need skills to be able to really do an intimate relationship that is a peer relationship. See, we have three kinds of relationships. A one-up relationship, that's like children with their parents, that's us with God. We have a peer relationship that is our friends, our, our co-workers, our comrades, our whoever that may be, our teammates, that we are all doing it together, all right? That's a friend. That's what Jesus also is. So we have God is a one-up, and Jesus is our peer. He's a friend to us. And then we have a one-down relationship, which is children, pets. Maybe for me, this is a, this, these are clients. They get in a one-down because of the authority that they're allow, allowing me to have in order to assess and correct the problem. So when couples come to me, and they're still peers, they're still friends, and they just want to learn what it's like to be married, how to do it well, so that they're prepared when they have children to practice parenting because they've got the relationship solid. That, that really, truly is my ideal. Very, very uncommon. So I want you to understand that fate, this is a common fate to all of us. It's like the rain that, that rains on everyone. And the, and the sun shines on everyone, right? And so this is what you want to think about, weather. It's like fate. And so having hardship in light, life is fate. It's going to happen if it isn't already happening. So we all must endure some stormy weather in our lives. So how do you know when you get, you know, to the point where you're needing help to make it through the tempest? How do you know when it's time to see a doctor, a psychotherapist, a mechanic. And so remember, when I gave you those, those different categories, illegal, immoral, unethical, dangerous, harmful, hurtful, these things, if they become enduring in any way, shape, or form, are always indicative of help, the need for help. Usually what you'll find is that when it gets to be dangerous, illegal, immoral, and ethical, hurtful, and harmful in your life, the problem has probably been there for quite some time. And it has now reached a level that's critical. So if you're experiencing any of these, these things that I'm going to list to you, I want you to think about considering professional help of any kind. That may be a life coach. That may be your doctor, family doctor. That may be a... a, a, a a pastor, that may be a psychotherapist, a psychiatrist, whoever that may need to be. And the first one is distress. See, therapy helps people cope with distressing emotions so that the way they cope with a distressing emotion doesn't create another problem. Like, I have people that are struggling with insecurity or depression or anxiety, stress, whatever that may be, and so they begin drinking to cope with that distress. Well, they've added another problem, right? So you might struggle with feeling sad or anxious, afraid or angry. And what happens with those feelings is you might have trouble then concentrating or sleeping or remembering things or even feeling motivated. And you might become fatigued. 
and lack interest in anything. You may lose all of your zest for living. And so it's particularly important to get professional help if you have, obviously, suicidal or homicidal thoughts. Also, seek out help if you have a sense, if you have any sense or gotten feedback that you're losing touch with reality, such as believing that people are out to get you, hearing voices, believing you have special powers, these kinds of things that can be really euphoric and elevating. We want to say, you know what, maybe I should just check this out with somebody. And these are not uncommon. So there's no shame in, in trying to figure out, hey, where are the boundaries? What's average? What's an average way that someone feels on, on, a, on any particular day? So you want to think about distress. Is there distress somewhere? And then is there a specific problem? So if you're experiencing like emotional or behavioral problems that are impacting your life, it's really time to seriously consider therapy. This can be things like addictive or compulsive behaviors, drug, alcohol, abuse, addiction, emotional eating, compulsive shopping, gambling, compulsive hand washing, lying, these types of things, sleeping too much. See, therapy also helps if your life is hindered with phobias, right? Like fear of leaving the house or interacting with people socially. I want you to know that these things are common to men. They are just humans struggling to do the best they can down here on earth. And you've heard me say so many times, this is a very difficult place to be down here. And some of us, this may be the closest to hell we get. And for others, it may be the closest to heaven that they ever get. So let God make this place a place that you flourish. This is Cynthia Hyatt with Conversations with Cynthia. Join me in the next segment. Well, welcome back. You are listening to Conversations with Cynthia, and I'm Cynthia Hyatt, your host. Thank you for joining me. Make sure that you check out the website at CynthiaHyatt.com. You can also go to Faith Talk Radio and their website and just look up me as one of the hosts, and all those radio shows are there for you as well. So we are talking today about how do I know when I need help? And we were talking about some very specific things in the last segment, and that was things like, is there distress in your life? Is there a specific problem that you know is a concrete issue? Maybe there was a traumatic event that you've experienced recently. You got in a car accident. Someone broke into your home and stole something. Uh, loss of someone, that a loved one. Loss of a job. Maybe the traumatic event happened to you when you were growing up, when you were a child or even a teenager or a young adult. Maybe it was the trauma was in your first marriage. So these are things that we would help us and encourage us to receive some help, to seek professional help. Because these types of things many times keep showing up. And so we start reacting and responding to our present time the same way we did when we were experiencing the trauma. And traumatic events can also include maybe some experiences that we had growing up with our families or church. Or if I was in Girl Scouts or Boy Scouts or an elementary school, on a football team, a basketball team, whatever that may be, I don't want you to feel the need to discount. Well, it's in the past. It's absolutely in the past unless there are emotions that come with it every time you think about it. 
that's how you know that, wow, the past is still in my present time and is going to be affecting my future. So a lack of support. This would be a reason to seek professional help. Therapists really can provide great emotional support beyond what family and friends can offer. They're not a part of the problem. They're a lot more unbiased. They are choosing to be a part of your life and wanting to be in your life. And so loved ones, many times, they might not be able to understand the situation or why you feel the way you feel without maybe getting defensive or feeling like they're to blame. And so many times it helps to get support from an unbiased person. So if you're feeling like you can't explain yourself well or people aren't getting how painful it is for you or they're minimizing it, telling you to just get over it, that would be a really good reason. That lack of of really necessary support would be a good reason to get some help. If you have relationship problems, this is a reason to get some help. If you and your partner are unable to resolve certain issues, if you're fighting more often than you're getting along, if you have anxiety when you think about being with that person, couples therapy really can save the relationship. can also save relationship with children, with friends, with what if the conflict is just with yourself? What if you're having a hard time relating to yourself? You hate yourself. You're disappointed in yourself. Can't forgive yourself. See, these are reasons to really seek out some really good, solid professional help. Personal growth is another great reason to be looking for help. See, many people enter therapy to help improve their lives, even when they're managing their life relatively well. They want to do it excellently. They want to get everything they can out of their life. And so they enter into some counseling to really see the ways to really hone their skills, their calling, and to really know that they're being the best version that God is calling them to be. So in the end, you have to understand that choosing to seek out therapy is a very personal decision. It's tough if you get intervened on, and sometimes that occurs. Let's say you are struggling with a drinking problem and you get a DUI, well, you're probably going to get some intervention at that point. So I am always wanting to encourage people to not wait till until you are intervened on. But you know what? We only intervene when we love someone, when we care. So if you're unhappy, you're dissatisfied with your life, this is, a, is wisdom to consider making the choice to try some therapy, some counseling, some coaching, some mentoring, pastoring, whatever that may be. Because you really are worth it. And smart people get what they need. Accomplished people, successful people, really work on making sure they have the necessary tools they need in their life to be who they want to be, who God's called them to be. How many stories of tragedy have we seen where we have people that have experienced incredible successes, either in um, entertainment, in sports, financially, in business, and they don't have the necessary skills to, to handle that success, and the success ends up killing them or ruining their life. This wonderful, great thing ends up being the thing that takes them down because they don't have the skill to handle that wonderful, great gift. So this is Cynthia Hyatt, again, with Conversations with Cynthia. Join me in this last segment as we talk about what are some obstacles 
that we might be struggling with, they get in the way of us getting the help that we need. Well, welcome back. I'm Cynthia Hyatt. And again, you are listening to Conversations with Cynthia. I'm so glad that you're tuning in. And if you just are tuning in or you've been only listening to a part of the show, you can always go to the website at CynthiaHyatt.com as well as 1360 KPXQ Faith Talks website. And all the shows are there. So the most current shows are always at the top. And you can certainly take advantage of listening to them. And so thank you so much again for all your support of this show and what we're doing. And I see it out on social media, and I really appreciate it. And so thank you for your comments and also your ideas. And I always want to encourage you. If there's something in particular that you would like me to address, you can always email me or, or you can contact me through Facebook, Instagram, any of these places, LinkedIn, and say, hey, you know, could you just maybe address this particular topic? Or I've always been wondering maybe what to do about this particular problem or idea or how do you handle a certain situation? And I would, I would love to be able to do that for you. Also, if you are wanting a keynote speaker, I love to do that for different organizations. And I can always create any type of a lecture or seminar that would fit the needs of the people that you are bringing. So... Here we are again talking about how do I know when I need help? And we're going to address some things that might be obstacles. And I, I want to do more of this next week because this is a really important part of being your own best version. And this is really important as we talk about having the best year ever. That maybe this is the year. Maybe this is the time that you're going to get the help that you need for real. And that your life is going to really be closer to what God originally intended for it to be. And you're going to like your life. Be proud of your life. Be happy with your life. Proud of yourself. Happy with yourself. And what a gift that would be if you let God give that to you. So what might be some reasons, some obstacles that are very common to all of us that get in the way of us getting help? See, when we're struggling with something... The idea of turning to someone for others, you know, turning to others for the help that we need, that seems very natural. Helping each other is a part of giving and receiving, and it makes up for good relationships. But you and I both know it's really not that simple. So getting help sounds simple. It's not always easy to do. And sometimes we might stand in our own way without realizing it. See, certain beliefs or ways of thinking can make it hard for us to see opportunities for help. Can make it hard for us to think we, we need it, that we deserve it, that it's actually going to help us. And it's quite frightening in many ways. So some examples of different kinds of attitudes that might stand in the way. And I'm going to give you some ideas as to how to get past them. So what's one of the, the first obstacles or the first ways of thinking or a judgment you might have that's common to all of us that gets in the way of getting help. And that's believing that needing help is a sign of weakness. And we want to really look at that. What is the example that Jesus gave us? Needing help is human. Humans can't do it on their own. Otherwise, Jesus would have done everything all on his own. 
But instead, he utilized the community, he utilized his friends, he utilized the Lord, and he utilized even strangers helping him in his time of need. And he wasn't too proud to ask. He knew the calling on his life. He knew the goal. And he wasn't going to let anything get in the way of him having the life that God had created for him to have. So it's a sign of strength, not of weakness. So you know what you need, but you're afraid to reach out for it. So for example, instead of thinking, I don't need my coach to find out that I can't nail or move in case he thinks I shouldn't be on the team. So I don't want my coach to find this out, that I can't nail it, that I can't figure out how to catch the ball, that I can't, you know, don't know the exercises I need to do to make sure that I'm really at top condition. Because if, if he has to tell me, then I shouldn't be on the team. I should just know that. So that kind of thinking, I should be smart enough to know how to help myself. I shouldn't have to go to the banker and ask for some financial counseling. That's like I shouldn't have to go to the doctor if I have a broken leg, right? So we want to change it to, I'm going to show my coach how committed I am to the team and how hard I practice by asking him to share tips on how I can improve. See, that's a person that's striving for excellence. That's a person that can be admired. That's a person that can be trusted. So when I go to a therapist and I say, you know, I'm really here because I'm committed to myself, my marriage, my relationship with God, my job. So I just want to be better at it. Here are the areas that I, you know, I've done everything I can and I can't seem to figure out how to get to the other side. So could you help me with how to do that? So let's look at this second obstacle that this may make sense to you as well. That's thinking that you don't deserve help or support. Now, everyone needs help now and then. And no one can or should handle everything alone. Because, see, accepting help strengthens our friendships and relationships. Everyone feels good when they can support a friend. So this is what I want you to think about. Thinking you don't deserve help or support. What if you did it to yourself? All right? That's the tough one. What if I'm the problem? What if I created the problem I need help getting out of? Well, I want you to think about that. The people that you love, the people you care about, if God were to bring someone in your path that needed some help, would you just turn away and say, you made your bed, you lie in it? Right? This is what the Good Samaritan was all about. And God loved the Good Samaritan. That's why Jesus took so much time in telling the story of the Good Samaritan. Because that's who we want to be. We want to be that to others, to ourselves. We want to let God use us to do that for others. And we want to be the person that's willing to receive the help that a Good Samaritan might have to give us. So everyone needs help. So I want you to think about this. Like, let me give you an example. I'll make this one up. Um, let's say there's somebody that's coping with their parents' divorce. And so she wants to be popular. She wants people to think that she has her life together. She wants to think that she has her act together. And so she's sure that her parents struggling with this divorce don't have time for her. 
that she can't reach out to them. Have, do, maybe you have kids. Maybe you're struggling with your mar- in your marriage. And you're worried about your kids needing some help in that time. Like, do I have the emotional energy? Do I have the resources to help my kids if this marriage fails? And that's an important thing to think of because they may not know they're allowed to ask for help. Well, think about any other circumstance in your life. What if you did create the problem? Does that mean you're not worthy of being helped? Don't you think that every single human born is a sinner and needs help? And God gave his life to help sinners. All of us, regardless of the degree or the level of sin that we have encountered or that we have become a part of or that we have indulged in, God really wants to help. So I want you to be choosy about who you ask um, to help you. I really do. I want you to say that, you know, this is an honor to help me. And that doesn't mean I'm going to be prideful and whatever that would look like. But I am going to say, you know what? Part of taking good care of me is making sure that I get really good help. So share your feelings or problem with someone who listens and cares, not someone who judges you, criticizes you, or blames you. That doesn't mean you don't need to be held accountable for whatever it is that that got you where you're at. That's how we learn. But God can hold me accountable without condemning me, and he does. And so we want to do that for ourselves. We want to do that for others. So a lot of times we can guess or assume the way people might react. But we want to give people a chance. We want to give them a chance to do it right. So if you do get rejected, don't quit asking. Simply remind yourself that person probably needs help too. So it's not because of you that they are probably rejecting you. It's their own fear. It's their own hurt. It's their own issues. So it's what's going on with that person. So don't let their inability or refusal to help or their condemnation or judgment stop you from getting the very thing that you need. So you tell yourself, I'm honoring God by asking for help. I'm being a good parent to me by taking me, God's child, to get some help, even if it's my fault. That's even more praiseworthy, that I wouldn't hide and let the enemy condemn me and steal from me and rob from me and end up attempting and trying to kill me, that I wouldn't try to do it all on my own when God is saying, I've already made a way for you. I've made a way that is for you. And my ways aren't your ways, and my thoughts aren't your thoughts. So I need you to trust me when I tell you that I've made a way for you to get the help that you need. So what's another obstacle? A very familiar one, similar to what we've been talking about, is just not speaking up. Hoping that somebody notices that you need help. Now, maybe sometimes you're lucky enough to have people in your life who see what you need and they offer you help before you ask. That's wonderful. But what I have found is a lot of times people that won't ask for help, even if we offer to help them, they're too embarrassed, ashamed, worried, frightened, in denial to even receive help that's offered to them without even being asked for it. 
So what we need to remind ourselves is that if somebody's noticing that I need some help and they are willing to give it to me, that's then my cue to manage my own pride, to manage my own fear, and to recognize, wow, if somebody's noticing it, then I might not be hiding it as well as I thought, right? And if I'm not hiding it very well and they're noticing it and actually want to help me, maybe I'm making a bigger deal out of it is in terms of embarrassment. Maybe I'm also then making a big deal out of how embarrassing it is and minimizing, trying to minimize how big the problem actually is. So many times it helps if we just say, you know, I'm having trouble with this, but can you help me please? And this is the nice thing about that. You can say no anytime you want. So if you don't like the help you're getting, you can say, you know what, I appreciate the help you've given me so far, and I think I need a little bit more expertise. So you help me know I need more. And this is very helpful that nothing's written in stone. It's not like you're entering into a contract or something. You're just simply saying, you know what, I think I'm having some trouble, and I do need some help. And what I need is no judgment, no condemnation, because if I do get that, I'm going to be too embarrassed to tell you what I really need. So I want you to care about you enough to get what you need. And I want you to also care enough about those around you to give them what they need. So we're going to talk more about this whole idea of how do I know when I need help and how we're going to go about doing that, ways and places we can go, and what that really looks like. And why God is depending on you, depending on you to take care of the one that he loves. And he loves you, as do others. And many times we can't believe people would love us. But I'm here to tell you, you are deeply loved, very wanted, and extremely valuable. And I need you to get the help that you need. This is Cynthia High with Conversations with Cynthia. Have a blessed week, and I will talk to you in one more week. To hear today's program again or to share it with someone else, please go online, CynthiaHyatt.com. That's C-I-N-T-H-I-A-H-I-E-T-T.com. Follow Cynthia on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and LinkedIn at Cynthia Hyatt. Until next time, remember, be your own best version. Yeah.